the process of um, stabilizing the mind, steadying the mind. Where the sankara, sankaras are things that to do with activity, so bodily activity, which is if you like the surge of the nervous system when you you kind of feel your body react to something, the surge, charging up, you're frightened. You tingle, your hair stands on end, you feel your bodily sense becomes extremely heightened. You feel angry, your, your sexual desire, you feel. You know, so you get this kind of ch- charging effect in, in, in a bodily sense. So that, that's, that's an activity, it's not something that you do, you know. Doesn't seem that you're doing it, but we still it's an activity. Mm. So mm. if the same car is another you know, like, activity when the <coughs> if you like the uh, mind is heightened or intensified, aroused, we like we prick our ears. We, we get on alert, um, heightened effect like that. And out of that, most likely, what will come will be a, a very rapid succession of thoughts and images. And, you know, what do I do? shuffling, what do I do with this? What's going to happen now? Right? Um, so that, that's probably our you know, normal way of. of um, Responding to things, contact, impressions. <coughs> it doesn't have to be that kind of gross. It can be just a subtle sort of mis- lifting up, you know, and just moving around in a in a community. You recognise a certain bit more bodily, bodily alertness. If you're not bumping into people, you know, this is just like that. So it doesn't. It's not necessarily unwholesome but it does it's unwholesome or wholesome it's still it's kind of surging and subsiding um, does decrease the quality of, of stability and there are occasions when it is directly con- coming from confusion as one's react- reactions are occurring when really there's, not, there's no need You know, they are signals, but just you know, it's like traffic lights operating in the middle of the night. There's nobody actually on the road, but they're still flashing away. It's stabilizing, and it's it's not so easy, really. Because we're not trying to actually dismantle the whole system, and uh, you know, it's rather like you know, if it's a system you can't operate it really um, in a direct sense. So if somebody says to you, "Oh, don't be frightened, don't be silly, you're frightened," and then in fact that commands us to make you angry <laughs> or guilty or something like that. You shouldn't be this way. So you feel, another little charge comes up behind that. So it's not saying do or don't, you know, from an external source, but really say, okay, that's the system. It's supposed to have that sort of sense of reaction, of, of rising up to contact. And then, uh, you know, over time we learn, we begin to learn how, how we can, oh yeah, rise up quickly, feel it out, oh it's okay, relax again. You know, and after a while just that rising up becomes subtler. Uh Okay. You don't find yourself really charging all the way up uh, and then getting stuck there in a heightened state.
this process of allowing you know, charge and then discharge and then one, the system can learn. So wants to be spacious about that, letting the system learn what's really suitable and necessary here. And we don't overreact, nor do we try to shut it all down or feel add all kinds of confusions and, and criticism about our, our about these reactions. We acknowledge they are reactions. Hmm. So they're not, they're, not, they're not like responses, they're reactions. They happen immediately. The response is something that comes from having uh, the space around that, the, our effect response system. So instead of it going into automatic, the ability perhaps to, to first of all, uh, be more, more sampajanya, full awareness of well, actually there isn't any threat. No, uh, there isn't any pressure right now. It's like this right now. Mm. So one's one's kind of affectability is calmed. Or if there is a, re- a reaction, then okay, well that was the reaction. It's based upon that, that particular sight or sound. Now that's past. Now we can relax again. It's seeing a particular thing that caused that to arise. Now that's past, you know, relax again. Um, actually, this is response. This is what wisdom. And uh, this is coming from a slightly uh, deeper layer, one might say, of the whole jitta experience. You get the outer layer, which is just like a, a skin, a surface. You get the jitta same kind of rises up. And you have something deeper, which is more like getting towards the, the core of the of awareness, the core of chitta, where just a sense of subtler responsiveness, which could be compassionate, kind, uh, wise, firm, patient. And these are not these are not these are not reactions. You don't find yourself blindly re- becoming patient. You know, kind of <laughs> reacting. You know, these are, these are responses. So, and it's important to have those responses. So, when we try to check our our, you know, our mental processes, we don't want to kind of become the idea you've got to calm everything down so you lose the quality of, of response. So you're able to perhaps to modulate reactivity or contemplate reactivity, understand it, and begin to to look at, well, I think you know, the system is overcharged or there's some afflictions here that are not relevant and they can perhaps we need to investigate those. So if our system is afflicted, then it can be something that goes into hyper-reactivity uh, around certain things. They're much more loaded with meaning um, than you know, it might be for another person. So the perception if you like, the king that carries the meaning. So, you know, we might find ourselves extremely uh, upset, uh, you know, something, particular action or something somebody says, something somebody does in a monastery or outside a monastery or wherever, you know, can make an extremely uh, powerful reaction. Another person, it's life, you know, so what? It doesn't really mean so much. Uh, you know, there's no real good. You know, maybe that the person who doesn't react is is is, is being dull, is stupid. So it's not it's not to make a value out of this, but to acknowledge uh, the perception and things that we might find ourselves being extremely um, concerned about in a monastery in a meditation retreat, happening in Heathrow Airport. You wouldn't blink an eye. So what? You know, no no reaction at all. Just normal, <laughs> you know. So, and then the, the very so this is this perception carries the meaning and the significance of something, uh, and some of that is is um, you know appropriate. Like the, the situation is this, or one is a 
a monk or a nun, it means that this is the, the meaning is this. So this is really not appropriate. This is really quite uh, wrong, intentionally speaking, in doing this. Um, but then, because, because of that particular convention, So, but, you know, we can be very much where these um, perceptions become themselves, carry all kinds of meanings they're not intended to carry. So we can get very idealistic about being a monk or a nun. Or we can feel that, uh, example, that, um, you know, because one doesn't behave in a certain way, it doesn't mean one, one doesn't feel or have internal processes concerned with, you know, greed and anger and lust and craving. So then, if we're not able to to find a way of handling that because we just react with a feeling of aversion to it all, you know, so you can get quite angry and charged and intensified about your own process, your own practice, in this way. So, see what I mean about. You know, really understanding uh, the perception, you know, getting getting clear about it. This is the thing that carries the charge or gets us going. And then, of course, many, none of this, much of this meaning is is not uh, that which is. Um, Created by the, what we say, the external situation or by the external convention, but by internal things. One's, uh, one's fearfulness or, or accumulations in terms of, of um, you know, self aversion or these kinds of things. So we get extremely heightened and self blaming around things that are really, well, that wasn't so good, but there's no need to go into that extreme about it. The main thing is, is getting the experience of viveka, kaya viveka, chitta viveka. Kaya viveka is that sense of that the body feels uh, space, you have space, you're settled in your body. Chitta viveka, you're settled, you can contemplate without being glued into uh, reactions or strung out or dulled down. Yeah. So chitta viveka is considered to be the a laying of the hindrances, or when the hindrances are not taking over. Kairi Vaka is often assumed to be, well, if you just, you know, move out of doing things and acting on things and being in the social world, then you'll get into Kairi Vaka. It's just a matter of being quiet, sitting in the forest kind of thing. But actually, that may be the case for some people. Most people, it's not. You know, it can still be in the um, sense of the feeling pressured, or feeling stifled, or feeling overcharged in a bodily sense. Because the body, bodily sense still tends to carry residues. Do <coughs> mm. we feel overcharged or, or flattened, um, in, in the, in like in the bodily sense? So often, you know, so this, if you like the, for me, what seems to be the way of recognizing um, is kindly vague. Is whether when you go into your, your bodily experience, do you feel how much space is around you? Do you have a way of acknowledging what's right around what's right around the body, uh, being fully embodied, feeling what's in front of you? Chest through your throat, it's behind your back, and it's okay there. You know, Maybe the case that we have a sense of weight on our back, you know, or fear behind us, or the feeling of vulnerability in front of us. Mm. You know, and there, there's a certain compression or, or tightness or contractedness in those places. So, 
really developing time with Vedika is very helpful. Just getting the body to be really settled, you know, because without that, it seems that that acts as a as a catalyst for all kinds of overcharged or undercharged uh, responses and reactions. Mm-hmm. And it may be the case that this is, becomes chronic that over years of just um, not being able to handle the amount of input that stirs us up, we start to just shut down. And the only way we can shut down and shut the world out is by is tightening up of the, in a bodily sense. Mm-hmm. So one, one eventually gives up space around you because the space around you is not safe or not comfortable, not nourishing, but nothing in it for you apart from pain. So you're going to, you know, okay, well I just retreat. You don't think it, that's what your system does. It goes inside and develops hide rather than skin. Or well, certain patches develop hide, like body armor. So I'm going to find a way in which is there, is there space, not just as a general thing, but really specifically, like in front of the eyes or the mouth or the, the um, throat? And going to those places, body sweeping, and how does it feel? Can you feel it? You know, very often people tend to tuck their chins over their throats, sitting meditation, or sometimes a lot of the time. And, you know, that's what it feels like to actually have the chin away from the throat, so you're not, not staring up at the sky, but just a bit of openness around there. And the throat is where, of course, you get <laughs> grabbed by the throat, <laughs> either literally or psychologically. So, what's it like when the jaw is soft or the throat is open? Mm. And it feels slightly more precarious or tingly there. Mm. But settling back, uh, and anyone who's able to establish mindfulness from Viveka, this is bodily sensation, bodily awareness here. And there's a wavering and a throbbing in that. It's a, it's, it's a Nietzsche, it arise, things arise and subside. It's like that. Yeah. The external, internal um, reflection is something that is Sampajanya, uh, full knowing or full awareness. Uh, and we're able to maybe say, well, Okay, there's that sense of heightenedness. Now, is there anything outside here that's that's caught, that's triggering this off? It could be, you know, somebody else, a person you don't feel happy with. No, no, okay, no. You may feel a sense of awkwardness and dread and shame or something like that. Actually, just from being in a group. You know, somebody was saying this the other day, just having to go come into the group and say something made them feel incredibly contracted. And but then you actually look at everybody and think, oh, he's all right. Yep. 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 Yeah. It's all right. But suddenly the them for each particular person think, I don't have a problem with him. Fine. Most of the time, well, yeah, you know, well, yeah, yeah, it's a bit, oh, that's okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but suddenly it's, it's an anonymous group, them, and suddenly feel a bit more, oh, do know about that. So is it, is it really them? It may seem to be external. There is such a thing as projection. You know, so it seems to be external. When we really look at the external and contemplate it, well, it's, it's not there, is it? It's, it's internal. So the internal sense is like, you know, um, 
where <coughs> that particular um, thing is. The sense of alarm is, is internal. So if we're trying to allay that through dealing with the external, it doesn't doesn't really work because the problem isn't external, the problem is internal. The internal sense is more like the way the programming, the internal programming of one's bodily sankara. And it's maybe different in different places in the body even. Or different depending on what kind of energy is there for you in a day. Different depending on what posture you're in. Imagine if you're lying down on the floor in the middle of the room, you might feel slightly more awkward about having 25 people sitting around you. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, so it's just to note, you know, that there's, actually they're still not doing you any harm. But internally, one's program is, well, this is a bit vulnerable, a bit exposed, a bit undignified or whatever. So, you know, a little more heightened there. Embarrassed, perhaps. <coughs> so that's, that's, but that's still, that's the internal thing. And we don't, it's not that easy to know the two, the difference. Because the system doesn't particularly want to know the difference. The reactivity is not about sort of fine tuning it's just saying get me out of here it doesn't matter if it's internal or external or internal it's just an alarm and it's up for us really to respond by saying okay thank you for that alarm now let's have a look look around here you know that's alright that's alright oh what about internally you know and then maybe say calming or stabilising feeling the whole of the body the breathing you know, using one's um, abilities to do that. Of course, the internal thing is very much affected by the um, the citta experience. But if we at least, you know, recognise as we're contemplating external uh, phenomena, in whatever we're doing, try to keep aware of the quality of space within which phenomena arise, whether those are visual, tactile, auditory, words, smells, tastes, whatever, just be aware that they arise, keeping a sense of space around them, so you don't, that's, that's where it really gets lost, is the reaction so strong and immediate that you get this charge and all the space disappears, it's an extremely you know, fight or flight kind of mode, you know, quality of maneuverability or, or ease around that, or ability to just, ooh, you know, lay it down or whatever, or respond appropriately gets lost. So it's very important to keep, keep a sense of external space. Yeah. In monasteries, you do, you know, there's a lot of, uh, it's about doing this, it's about you know, walking around quietly about going lower than people, about not crushing in on people, um, even not making a lot of noise, like carrying metal things, because recognition of every clang, bang, so and so, a certain jolt is going to occur. And that, you know, that's, the system's supposed to do that. You know, it's not that we're being hyper, but the system is supposed to kind of get that little flash when it hears something sharp. You know. So we try to lessen all that. Yeah, it's not necessary. So keeping a sense of or like auditory space is, is, is what silence is about. Yeah. The in sense of external space gets gets lost um, through through bodily its bodily contraction. Mm. And then that, that affects the internal quality, which then affects the citta more directly. You feel pressurized, you feel uh, uncertain, wavering, you feel uh, threatened, you feel um, craving, desire. Or we feel the results of all the shutting out, which is dullness. 
So just to recognize that the process of samatha is not necessarily about you know what we think calming is because if you if you if your system is half shut down which is likely that there are bits of it that is shut down on then you calming down to face you into dullness and so this is this can be an unfortunate extension of a whole strategy around life you know don't know, don't don't see, don't notice, don't discern, don't feel, and then if if, if there's still anything coming in, calm it down. <laughs> and you just get duller and duller. And we think we've got we've got the free reign to do that. And it says in the sutras, tranquility. But yeah, you know. But it also says things like brightening up, uh, chanda, pramoja. Uh, rapture, mm. and so the calming occurs rather. The actual calming, tranquilizing process occurs rather later. First thing is really opening it up, waking up, and then it's when it's balanced, and we can cool it, smooth it out. So external, internal reflection around jitta uh, is where we lose a sense of. Well, no, sorry. With in when we lose a sense of of uh, internal space or jitta which is a sense of of having um, an easeful ground to reflect from, put it that way. You know, so you kind of consider, think things over. Mm-hmm. You know, find you can respond rather than feeling pressured, feeling inadequate, feeling overwhelmed, feeling um, overreactive. Mm. So is the ability to give you that in the internal space in the mind. So this gets lost through through thought, uh, thought and perception. Crowds all this out. (coughs) Spinning, whirling. <clears throat> Again, it's not just a matter of stopping thinking uh, or stopping perceiving um, or, or having the idea that you should do this because when you create that idea, then that idea blocks up the internal space. You think the idea, I start to stop thinking. <laughs> and it just creates another set of, of kind of charge of something I've got to do that, that again, congests and compacts the internal space and you're supposed to be able to think and have meanings and perceptions and use them so it's a matter of really contemplating and, and mollifying those and checking about being fully aware of this External um, thought, mind. It, we can this. The experience of this is when we um, think about something. So the object of our attention is something. I feel separate from that. I think about it. Think about you about these things, about that. And um, in that, the, uh, the whole focus of the attention is on the details and the qualities of the thing I'm thinking about, about you, this, the boiler, the tractor, tomorrow, next year, whatever, I'm thinking about it, yeah, and getting particular perceptions about it, and I'm trying to make that thing work or appropriate or right or comfortable. That's the external level. Internal is is more like when I'm feeling affected. So you could say it's almost like the external you touch something, and the internal is I'm being touched. So the internal is a sense of the happiness or dis-ease that occurs. And uh, <coughs> so when we go to the internal, we want to make that feel okay, feel calm or peaceful. 
again, we don't necessarily know, you know where the source of the movement is. We may think, we may assume the problem is, is in uh, you know, tractors or people or a particular person or whatever, they're like this or it's like that and the. We think the problem's out there. Maybe that actually the problem is not with that, but with with the way I'm responding to it, you know, the way it's affecting me. I've got a thing about this particular person or or, or activities or so on. So you get and it's not always that easy to know because of projection. Yeah. And the opposite can happen is is that you have an internal uh, thing going on, I feel anxious and a bit nervous. Um, there's nothing to do with that, that person, it's just me. Actually, it is to do with that person. <laughs> you know, your system is giving you a correct message. So it's not the, you know, we're not trying to shut down these responses, but really to find out, well, where, where is it actually? Because yeah. if, you, if you just just react or have a view about responsiveness, then you, you tend to swing to one of those extremes. You're either trying to fix the world and really you should just be learning to adjust your whole way of, of, of handling that, or you're trying to fix yourself when you recognize, no, no, you're all right, it's just uh, you know, you're in the wrong context. And for most people, there's a bit of both on that, isn't there? You know? When I say world, I don't mean the planet, I mean your, the world of your sense bases, you know, what's happening. Maybe you need a little bit of tweaking on that. So, you know, when we enter monastic life, we do a pretty radical tweak on what our world's going to be about in many ways. You know, you know, we're going to be in a place where it's harmless and people are you know, committed to precepts and this, that and the other. You know. And it's, and we really, you know, we do change the world. So the idea of just being choicelessly aware is is really rather an exaggeration, particularly when monks start saying it because they've made a big choice already. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that anybody's choices here, where even choices are, are natural things. But then, having made that, then we say, okay, right, that's enough tweaking on that level for now. Let's see. You know. I've made this commitment, it seems okay, and then I've worked with a sense of anxiety or, or pressure, or whatever that comes up, distaste, boredom, rather than, I want this, I want that, I want to change this, I don't like that, fix this, fix that. You know, and of course there's fine tuning and all that, isn't there? You know. But really beginning to recognise how much is external and how much is internal on that. Now, how do we work with these when we begin to even locate where something seems to, what seems to be, you know, destabilizing us, either, you know, flattening us down so we're not in a bright, buoyant state, or winding us up so we're not in a, we're not in, we're not in a settled state, settled back state. With uh, the process of sankara is headed by impression. Tassa, attention, manasikara, and volition, jitana. So, something occurs as a sound, a sight, whatever, occurrence, some kind of uh, immediate impression arises. Just the fact that, hey, that's a sight, a sound, some kind of flash of recognition. And then your attention rises to that. Attention rises up. Attention is formed. It means very rapidly there's a focusing. Consciousness focuses. It may be that focus comes through the fingers or through the visual sense or through the auditory sense. It's a kind of shift into attend and switch on this particular sense space. Tune in. And then get the mind behind it to pick that up. So that's the whole focus, the whole quality of attention. Attention is not 
you know, it's an activity. It, it steers in a particular way, it charges up a particular sense base and, and in, in certain ways. You say, listen sympathetically, yeah, or listen clearly, yeah. and, and we have different ways of attending. You know, when you're looking at, if I'm looking at Dhamma talk and I'm thinking of editing it, I look at it in a particular way. If I'm trying to, trying to receive edification, I look at it in another way. Or if I'm a typesetter, I might not even know what the talk's about. It's concerned with whether the, you know, the, the print is the right kind. So, you know, you, your attention is not, it's got different facets to it. But the basic thing is that rising up of attention and then the volition is, is, if you like, the agenda behind that. Right? Listen in a way to really learn what this is about. Or listen in a way um, that, that um, makes somebody think you're listening. <laughs> so you go, yeah, 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 fine, fine, fine. You go away and leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, fine, I'll go, yeah, fine. <laughs> It doesn't mean take it in, it just make the right, you know, listen so enough so you can grunt and get them to go away and get off your case. <laughs> so, you know, the, that's, that's volition. There's a particular, you know, angle or agenda that goes along. So these, these three are Sankara, basic Sankara. This stuff is is the is 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 the thing that's kind of causing or the way that the, the chitta sankara rises up in this particular way. And so the sense of impression is then like first of all pretty pretty much just functional. You know. A sound is heard. You know. And then attention, well, that's like somebody's dropped a kettle. You know. and so you get that, it decides to hold it and then feel what it's about. A little bit of intention, volition goes along with that. And then we might get other things to start to occur you know, around that. Like, yeah, you know, the, you know, one was, one was dis, displeased or irritated by that. One was seeking calm and quiet. One was rather feeling a bit frayed and agitated. So the sound that kept was extremely upsetting. So you get this volition is, oh, don't let that happen again. Stop that happening. We find a sense ourselves getting defensive or angry, you know, or, or complaining. And somebody else goes, well, we've only got to care. I mean, it's a simple mistake, and what's the big deal about it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is what community life's about. Yeah. Who's right? In a way, you know, at the end of the day, it's not really the question, actually. It's not really a valid question because, you know, externally, there are a certain level at which we, we agree to abide in, and the rest of it is just doing the best, you know, all of it's doing the best we can. And uh, so, yeah, you know, we say, let's be quieter, or, you know, you know sorry about that, or, it doesn't happen again, or maybe this person needs to sit in a padded cell for a week or something. <laughs> <laughs> but also, one recognises that that by itself doesn't necessarily, you know, 
rule out that that uh, reactivity, does it? You, you sit in your padded cell for a week. Oh, fine, thank goodness, nobody's getting at me. Um, and even if it does work out well, and we come out of our padded cell, and then oh, they're dropping kettles again. <laughs> Still get wound up about it. <laughs> it's closing door, closing doors, telephones are ringing. Somebody's sharpening a pencil in the room next door. Driving you nuts. So, you know, the um, sense of really being able to contemplate around that whole impression, contact impression. Now, actually, you know, contact is a, is a, fu- is a functional level to that which is as it is. And then, but the, one can um, start to work around attention and intention. So, if one's attention is, for example, in the ideal case, just deeply um, satisfied and embedded in the meditation theme, you know, and it's, it's Flexed and and then then much sensory impingement doesn't even really register at all. Uh, if one's intention again is satisfied and and happy, you know, one's, one's intentionality, one feels okay in oneself, then one becomes less uh, fearful, less irritable, less craving. Occurs. So these are, if you like, the, some of the principles of some of the processes that what samadhi is about. But in the less than ideal case, then we learn to actually exercise our attention. When things aren't particularly perilous or, or difficult for us, you just exercise attention, which means you can attend to something very close up, right? or you can attend to things in a much broader way. For example, I could focus on a on a button on somebody's shirt, you know, or I could, you know, get right down to that. Or I could see that whole person, or I could see the whole background behind them. Have the very wide focus. You can have a very wide focus, very close focus, and be able to do the both and, and, and realize the different effects you know when one's, one's attention is very we're very refined um, then it tends to be there's a heightening effect with that there's a heightening effect which is okay if you've got something like a breath that you're on that you can you actually respond to your effect it's less it's more difficult when you develop that focus on things that don't have much are not responsive to your intention so if you're focusing on a meditation thing around your own body in, in a close-in way, then you're actually your system starts to respond to that and you calm, and the whole thing calms down. So you can stay in that and the breath begins to change, for example. You focus on something that's, that's external in that refined way, which you think, oh, that's how to meditate, you know, get your attention really refined. You focus on something external, that doesn't respond, you know, like it's um, you know, a machine or something like that, and it breaks down, you get very upset. Or you get really obsessive about it. You get sort of a little, 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 little cranny with it. And you're not, you're not actually getting the quality of calming, you're getting a sense of heightening and intensifying, but your system is not being satisfied with that. Now you can so you can widen your attention, so visually, um, doing the external senses, developing over the whole body, the whole breath, or even just the whole of you know, making the mind seem very wide and broad. So you just have a very wide space for your mind. 
Uh, then you find that more likely what will happen is the thing will calm down. It may be not very clear or crisp, not have that sharp edges to things, but it will be calmer and more easeful. And um, in that state, you're less less uh, reactive. And you've got to find ways of finding you know how you how to get your attention which is suitable for you. Yeah, because if you just find your attention is too narrow and reacts to it, you get into your react system rather than response system. Yeah, or maybe it's so broad you don't even respond anymore. So the reactions have gone, but also the responses have gone, you sound like a turnip. Like, uh, there's nothing, there's no responses. So you, oh, I think you need a little more focus here, you know, a little more edge on this one. But being able to, to, to develop that, you know, narrow, wider. Uh, yeah. Well, you're walking along, like the whole body walking, you know, not just the feet, the whole body. And then maybe just, if, well, what's it feel like in my chest when I walk along? How does it feel there? How does it feel in my shoulders, or how does it feel in the hips, or the, the feet, or the whole thing, or half the thing? Yeah. You get that kind of ability to to um, make your attention something that's not just uh, you know that you're really re- you're really responsible for. An intention, which is probably more even more crucial. Yeah. What, what do we want? What's, or what's our um, what's our volitional quality? Is it defensive? Is it you know, what we need? What's the pre- what's the need in any in any uh, situation? Perhaps we don't really know that because you know, it may not be something we've even got a thought about, but it's an underlying pressure. You know, I need space. I need warmth. I need care, I need uh, happiness, I need, you know, and these are the things that we, we probably all have going for us, and that may change in different situations. So it's not, just see, volition is not self. So there's no, no needy people here. There's no frightened people here, there's no defensive people here. But there is defence and there is fear and there is there are needs and there are lies. Some of those can be ex- externally. Um, some of those can be met through internally. Some of them just through recognising as we contemplate internally or externally, oh, actually, I don't need that. It felt like it because that's the way the system goes. You know, I've got that for kind of on the agenda for for intention. You know, intention is about what I'm going to do with this. Yeah. So it, your intentionality doesn't it primes to say, oh, I, I, want, I want that. Uh, I don't want that. Uh, it's good. Uh, that's right. I'll have more of that. I'll have less of that. It's what it's supposed to be doing. So it can give us a direction. But, you know, um, okay, fine, but, but is that really the case? What would it be like without this? Oh, but, uh, but I don't see why I should have to do with that. No, no, no. No, just Im- <laughs> no, it's not saying. No, it's just saying, just imagine what it'd be like without this. So it gives us some perspective because volition is not supposed to be, say, just telling you how it is. It's supposed to be telling you what to do. So it's not going to give you a neutral, everything's okay signal. Um, It ceases. Nothing to do. It ceases. And, oh. and then we may assume this means, oh, this means just kind of bye-bye time, go to sleep. Yeah, nothing to do, right? 
no, no, that's volition too. Let's say <laughs> I want to, I want to get out of here. You know, nothing happening, so I'll get out of here. You know, again, it's not necessarily thought, but you know, it then pulls the other way to revive. So also with, with so when you some some of the volition is is going in this uh, in a negative sense, then welcoming. Oh, it's, it's sleepiness. Oh, how nice. Interesting. Sleepiness feels like this in my ears. Feels like this around my eyes. All these kinds of moods and impressions come up. Welcome it. You know, so things that we frantically react to. Uh, we we practice with uh, these two modes. What would it be like without this? When we're kind of thirsting for something, for it, the right, the karma tanha, bhava tanha, and then welcoming when it's the vibhava tanha, welcoming it, being touched by that. It's not so bad. It's not what one's volition chooses. So it's, you know, my perceptions around that, you know, spiders, something, things to run away from, or to flush down toilets. Now I've taken a vow against flushing spiders down toilets. And I'm supposed to be a big grown-up man now, you know. <laughs> so is it so bad? And the actual tactile thing is just nothing much, really. But then the perception, Wrigley spider, so then perhaps by holding the spider I'm able to I don't need that perception and that perception finds that it's not relevant passes away welcoming and um, checking volition What would it be like without this? This is not statements to say, say you know, to hold it, make into views. More like just resonances to to sound against the, the citta sankara. You know, so it's not arched tensed up one way or another. So it becomes more like, well actually, without this life would not be worth living. Oh fine, okay. Really? Well we should do that. The response comes from a place which is beyond doubt. And that's the that's the beauty of response. Response is um, Incontrovertible, and you know it. You know, oh, so I have to do this. Reactions are always you know, very strong, immediate, often a lot of thought with them, or strong feeling that somehow next day, oh, no, no, I was out there, that wasn't right. No, it can't be like that. You know? so, so it's important to, to be able to acknowledge there is such a thing as response. But then to find it, and to know the difference between that and reactivity. Response is citta viveka. You know, the year we had an interesting, um, launched an interesting um, um, probe into uh, meditation, aimless wandering, of course. Uh, launched it last year on some unsuspecting lay folks <laughs> as a kind of dry run. <laughs> and. We were often so kind of wired up as they've got to do and get and have and get it going and all that. It's just aimless. 
as uh, so to mention it, even though it's sitting, aimlessly sitting, aimlessly, aimlessly wandering, you know, which is a matter of like not of really relaxing the whole volitional uh, tension or uh, you know tone of the mind, where it's got a. You know, so he's just taking it a moment at a time, feeling the contact impression when you walk. It's just slowly, nowhere in particular. Just walking very slowly, nowhere in particular. Just feeling the contact impressions. They're welcoming. You know, this is the coolness. And then just welcoming that. This is the sight of a flower. Welcoming it. And then you know, maybe one gets this kind of impression. Oh, we haven't picked the flower. Oh, we haven't picked the flower. I'm not picking my vase. But there's a vase. What we tried to do? No, no, no. Just a minute. <laughs> there's some aim has got going there, hasn't it? Volition has got going there. But we're trying to just, well, okay, what would it be without this? So you, oh, just feeling, oh, there's delight. There's delight. Hmm. So you're taking it just as, as contact arises, just staying in that ability to, to keep in the viveka domain in the presence of contact, rather than the mind running out and scurrying all over something or retracting, recoiling and defending. No, just, just stay at the place of contact. And, in walking, doing the external things, which is easier, actually, because they're much less loaded. So, doing it in walking is a lot easier, because you don't, you know, the internal stuff is more ingrained. It's very difficult to stay aimless internally. With that, one's able maybe to feel the, the texture of space, spaciousness, and things just kind of welling up, prickling, tingling, washing through that. But even with the presence of contact, at that level of functionality, you know, or at the level where it becomes something that where attention starts to rise. Still, your, your intentionality is kept quiet. Yeah. Quiet. Just, just to acknowledge, just to feel out the pull towards, the push back, and just ease up. Stay there. So, you know, to say, there's contact, there's attention, there's volition, and just cool that down. Of course, volition is the source of karma, which is where we get etched in feel frustrated, feel compelled, feel solid, feel dense. And there's a sort of a hunger for that in a way, to feel really me. Uh, but it's, it's a, a perilous um, uh, thirst. Can we just be without that need to be me and be touched without having to act, you know, be me about it all? quite delightful if one is in a safe place to be able to be that open. Of course, you know, the emphasis is on non-interaction, non-reactivity. You know, so we're not jumping in on other people's stuff. So it's something you do with inanimate things, <laughs> ideally. You know. Then maybe one might be able to, in sitting, just spend some time, maybe just five minutes, ten minutes, just keeping the things open and feeling the moving of mood. You know, there's a bodily impression. You know, there's a sense of warmth. You know, a sense of the clock ticking. You know, and then, you know, the urge to get somewhere and make it. You know, so let's just spend ten minutes just cooling out cooling out. Maybe that's all we need to do. 
Maybe that's that's enough. That's that's really what we need to do right now, just to be here uh, in contact without this compulsiveness, you know, in our where we get reactive rather than responsive. Then the mind may actually in that process just sort of calm and ease to the point when it naturally by itself wants to settle into uh, the meditation object, body, breathing, or metta, or whatever, you know, a meditation object may very well arise within that process. 